Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable. It is time for our weekly Bible study right here on our website. We're so glad that you've joined us for this today. Uh, there's a song that uh, is so relevant to our day. It's from yesteryear, but <laughs> it's so important to where we're living right now, spiritually and culturally and, and just really globally around the world because of the last day signs that are present with us that is being manifest in our culture and in the in the world about us globally it's here in america it is absolutely engulfed the entire world isaiah put it this way in isaiah 60 darkness shall cover the earth and gross deep you see darkness the people <laughs> and and what we're supposed to do during this time when it's so intimidating and incriminating uh to to feel so overwhelmed by it all is to uh, the next verse says arise and shine for thy light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee and shall be seen upon thee. This is no time to be intimidated by the darkness about us, but to know that we are in the kingdom for a time such as this. Hallelujah. God knew we would be here. And he said, no man lights a candle and puts it under a bushel, but lifts it high that all in the house might see. Glory to God. Friend of mine, I'm going to tell you, so let me say something before I even give the subject matter today. The darkness has never put out a light. The devil would have us put our light under a bushel, but the darkness, the prince of darkness, darkness in the culture, spiritual wickedness in high places, and the rulers of the darkness of this world cannot put out the light. Darkness has never put out a light, but light even the smallest light has always dispelled the darkness. I used an illustration not long ago while ministering. I've used it several times. Uh, I usually leave my porch light on. Uh, it, it's got one of those little bulbs that uh, doesn't draw much energy, so it's not significant to the light bill. <laughs> I'd be flipping it off. It's not like the old 100-watt bulbs we used to have that pull so much energy. If it's on at noon, nobody knows it's on, nobody cares it's on, nobody notices that it's on. At twilight, it becomes more apparent. At midnight, you can't miss it from a long way off. What I'm saying to you today is the darkness of the last days that are upon us, that is engulfing the entire world, cannot do anything but enhance the light. Those who are living in the light, walking in the light, <laughs> representing and manifesting the light of the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. Friend of mine, today it is time to arise and continue to shine, not to be intimidated, not to back off, but to stand true and stand firm. This is not 
a little Sunday school song type of light that we possess, this treasure that we have in this earthen vessel. Amen. This is the light that is shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehendeth it not. Amen. And it's time for every child of God to let our light so shine before men that they will see our good works. And we're not talking about philanthropy. We're not talking about, Jim, Bill Gates doesn't believe, doesn't have time for religion. He said, I hope that changes between here and eternity. But he gives millions of dollars to charities. It's a Christian thing to give to charities, and Christians should. But that's not the light that we're talking about. That's not the good works that men will see. Even atheists do those kind of things. That's no big deal. Following Jesus in this culture, that's a big deal. Being true to the faith, amen, and walking it out and living it out unapologetic and unrelentlessly, amen. That's what people need to see. That's what they saw in the New Testament when they called them Christians. They saw them talking like, living like, walking like Jesus did, hallelujah. And at Antioch, they were first called Christians by by the culture around them that saw their behavior. Does that explain that a little bit better today? I hope that it does. Well, it brings us to under the umbrella and under the teaching, therefore, uh, overarching teaching of signs of the times is the sign of rebellion against God. The sign of rebellion against God is a sign of a culture falling away. It's the sign of the falling away. One of the signs of Jesus' soon coming is that that day, the Antichrist, the tribulation, and Jesus' coming precedes the tribulation as we understand prophecy. Listen, the majority of us, there's some contention there, but the majority of people believe in the in the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. I'm one of them, and I've heard the, the, the arguments. I've studied the scripture. I still believe what I believe because of my understanding of the Bible and the separation between the the judgment on the wicked and the fact that we are not appointed to wrath but to obtain salvation through Jesus. That's a whole other message. Praise God. But this message, the sign of rebellion against God, that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And then that son of perdition or that man of lawlessness, that rebel from the beginning that led rebellion in heaven and now is inhabited by the very devil who fell to earth and and, and influenced in a personal particular way by him used almost like a puppet uh, a hand puppet literally listen we are in that beginning of the falling away it's apparent in the church that's a sign in the church the sign in the culture is the lawlessness that we're seeing right now all around the world. This killing without conscience, this rejection of, of any kind of moral code or conscience or absolute truth. This is manifesting. It will continue 
to get worse before it gets better. Amen. But in the midst of this, we are still here in the kingdom for a time such as this. Let me read you one scripture, then I'm going to read it in context, and we're going to talk about this a little while today. This is one of those those clear warnings in scripture. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Woe to them. This is a book of woes, really the Bible. There's many times that word woe is used. If I could put it in this, without a whole lot of theological explanation, it just means, oh, no. Oh, no. There's a consequence coming to whatever's being talked about after that woe. And it's that consequence, oh, no, you're not doing that and so that this is going to happen to you. Surely you're not doing that because this is the consequence of that woe to you. It was a foreboding, awful thing when when the Bible says, woe, when God says through the inspired word of God, woe to you. When he says through his son, woe to you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites, woe to you that compass land and sea to make one proselyte, one conversion to your your false hypocritical uh, expression of faith. And when you do, you make him twice the child of hell as you are. Jesus didn't mince words about these things. And he actually said it's better that a millstone, this warning, be hung around your neck, cast into the deepest part of the sea, than to do that that will offend one of these little ones. Woe unto to you. So there's a lot of woes here in the Bible, warnings if you please. And there's a ministry missing in the modern postmodern church world today, and that's the ministry of warning. John the Baptist said it well, who hath warned you to flee the wrath to come. If you want me to baptize you, you bring fruits, meat for repentance. You bring a meek, repentant attitude. Uh, Listen, today, because of the absence of warning, and I lay this, and God lays this right at the pulpit where it needs to be laid. Woe to them. This is why this is existing. This is in Israel. It's in God's covenant people. It's also spread into the culture. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. That put dark, see what the consequence is going to be? Listen, that put darkness for light and light for darkness. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Let's back it up to verse beginning with verse 18, and pick it up down to verse 24. And it says, Woe to them that draw iniquity with cords of vanity, and sin as it were a cart rope. They that say, Let him make speed, and hasten his work, that we may see it. And let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw nigh and come, that we may know it. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. 
Woe to them that are mighty to drink wine, and men of strength to mingle strong drink. Drunkenness was one of the primary uh, sins that allowed for a myriad of other sins, and we see it in our society. But let me tell you, you may be a teetotaler today. You may not touch a drop of alcohol, but listen to this. There is an an inebriation with an overindulgence in the things of the world at the sacrifice of the things of God and of the Spirit of God. Jesus said, and it's it's a woe, it's a warning, beware of surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life. There's a drunkenness that has nothing to do with alcohol necessarily, but everything to do with the busyness of our life with no consideration of our spiritual need and our need to be people of the kingdom, our need for the clear teaching of the word of God. Amen. Listen, friend of mine, we can all be caught up in this kind of drunkenness. Listen to verse 23 here, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be rottenness and their blossom shall go up as dust. They shall have cast away the law of host and despised the word of the Holy One of Israel and despised the word. There's a mega church who has a rule that anyone who comes to speak for them was given 10 minutes to bring the word. Oh, there's a big emphasis on being entertained by the praise scene. I'm not even going to go so far as to qualify it as worship, but I'm going to tell you this, 10 minutes in the Word of God is not enough to feed the need of your soul, to sustain you in a time such as this. If we ever needed the Lord before, if we ever needed the Word of God to be a lamp unto our feet and a light to our pathway, we need it now. Hallelujah. I'm glad you're here today to hear the Word of the Lord. And I pray that you're not just here to hear the word of the Lord, but you're here to heed the word of the Lord. You see, in this chapter, the prophet Isaiah is providing a warning for the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. We see this in the culture, but we're seeing it bleed in to the church world today. The prophet's warning them for their sinful behavior, their rebellion. During this time, specifically their drunken indulgence. This was an evil that had spread rampant during that time. And this lifestyle was common due to a lack of both respect for and fear of God. Since these people didn't seem to live with a conscience, they did not believe their sinful acts were evil. Their minds were so influenced by the controller of this world, the devil, that their perspective had become skewed, causing them to create unbiblical standards. We see this in denominations. <laughs> it, 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 it can be said, it should be said. If the, if the, if the, those who began some of these Christian denominations 
could see what it is denigrated into. They wouldn't just turn over in their grave. <laughs> I believe they'd come out of their grave and uh, you kick butt and take names. Can I say that over the airwave? I believe there would be someone standing up and someone getting slapped down. Friend of mine, we're not following. We're not following the clear teaching and holding the clear standards of the Word of God. We're not letting the Bible push back the darkness, not only in our world, but in our lives. These principles were so watered down that not only did they neglect to recognize their sinful actions, but they actually viewed them as okay or good. So now we are doing as the world about us, calling good evil an evil good. They reveled in their sin and drunkenness. They did not see sin as wickedness, but they called it good. You see, a world in rebellion against God will always have this perspective and embrace a topsy-turvy morality. These are people today, and there are people today who still call evil good and good evil, and they promote behaviors that the Bible specifically calls sinful And we need to hear it, don't we? As a Christian, I need to hear that from the pulpit because I'm not going to get any kind of moral guidance from the culture. If we don't get it from the pulpit, where are we going to get this moral compass? The celebration of homosexuality and the defense of abortion on demand are usually accompanied by a mockery of those who value life and promote traditional marriage. You see, right now, evil is being called good, and good is slandered as evil. Apart from God, apart from the Word of God, the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, true men and women of God, our value system will always become jumbled and inverted. We'll begin to confuse sweetness and bitterness, light and darkness, good and evil. We'll label biblical morality as intolerant and oppressive. We will take offense at the truth that Jesus is the only way to salvation. You want to you start a fight with every world religion? Just declare there's no other way to God but through Christ, which is the absolute, inerrant, eternal truth of Scripture. Light has come into the world. This is the condemnation. This is why judgment is going to fall. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Calling good evil and evil good is a sure sign of spiritual wickedness in the church and lawlessness in the world about us. Listen, you don't have to be a Christian or a prophet or a theologian to recognize the paradigm shift in our modern culture. A grandson, after hearing a sermon on Isaiah chapter 5, asked his 80-year-old grandpa this question. Will good be seen as evil and evil good like the Scriptures teach? And here's the answer the grandpa gave him. He said, I'm not a religious man. I believe in God, though. And I can say this with 100% certainty. Regardless if you can see it or not, we are now in the times when everything that was once good 
is now evil. And everything that was once evil is now good. Being one of the few who seems to understand that we're living in these times has been truly difficult and tears at my mind like a pressure attempting to penetrate the protective walls of my soul. Society as a majority now believes that what was once good is now evil and vice versa. I've been a witness to this as the years have passed and I can do absolutely nothing to stop it. All I can do is sit and watch it pass. You see, you don't have to be a student of Scripture. You don't have to be spiritually tuned to God to see what is happening. I wonder why many ministers today and many pulpits today can't see what this 80-year-old man can see so very clearly. Woe to them that call evil good and good evil. This text well describes the spirit of our age, doesn't it? The, someone has put it this way. I want to read this to you. In our over-refinements, we are losing the sternness of the truth, carefully polishing off every edge and point and corner that might prick the conscience into activity. We're toning down moral distinctions until they're becoming quite confused and indistinct. We can hardly tell for certain what is right and what is wrong, what is evil and what is good. You know, this is a pulpit commentary on Isaiah. A friend of mine, we're seeing it in our culture today, not just in that ancient culture, but we're seeing it in our culture today. One scholar of scripture and, and recognizer, recognizer of this fact in, in culture said, we're raising a generation on spiritual junk food of religious videos, movies, youth entertainment, comic book paraphrases of the Bible. The word of God is being rewritten, watered down, illustrated and dramatized in order to cater to the taste of the carnal mind. That only leads further into the wilderness of doubt and confusion. Of doubt and confusion. Listen to Isaiah chapter 56 verse 10 through 12. Speaking of those who should be holding the standard, setting the standard, holding it before God's people, the watchman over Israel. Isaiah 56, 10 through 12 says it this way. His watchmen are blind. They're all ignorant. They're all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Friend, if you were a shepherd in that day, that dog, that is, that watch dog, that is on guard, whose senses are so heightened to sounds and smells. They tell me that, that, that in the canine world, in the dog world, that their sense of smell is like a thousand times more, more a- accurate and able to detect than ours. That's why they can detect drugs and they use them for that. That's why they can detect in some cases 
cancer in a human body. They can smell it. And they're using them. They're experimenting with their sense of smell. Today, we need ministers that can see that have an understanding, that are not blind. You see, if the blind lead the blind, the Scripture said we all, all those that follow those, end up in the ditch. If that dog doesn't bark when they sense and see the wolf coming to grab one of the sheep, a lion, a bear, if he doesn't bark when the thief comes to steal, if he doesn't bark, then that sheep is going to get stolen because that shepherd will not wake up to defend with along with the dog. They, they, they should, be, listen, they are greedy dogs, verse 11 says, that can never have enough. Have you noticed that? It doesn't matter how rich many uh, false teachers get today. They want more just like the world. There's an insatiable appetite for more things. And there's no ministry of warning to the rebellious, to the lawless, to the, to the, to the sinful that are going deeper into their sin. They are greedy dogs which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand, verse 11 says. They all look to their own way, even one for his own gain. Do you know what the New Testament says? It says they will make merchandise of you. They only see you as an asset to their, their ever, ever <laughs> non-ending greed for more. Ever getting and never having enough. You know, the Bible said that godliness, we should be content with what we have, for godliness with contentment is the great gain or the true riches. Listen to verse 12. Come, you say, I will fetch wine and we'll fill ourselves with strong drink, and tomorrow shall be as this day and much more abundant. In, in, in light of the sins that that God was about to judge in the book of Isaiah. The false prophets and the false watchmen had become as blind dogs which cannot bark, greedy, ever getting, never having enough. No warning, no alarm. You know, the scripture says to cry aloud and spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their sin, the house of Jacob, their transgressions. Why? So they could turn back to God, not be destroyed by their enemies, so he could restore them and all the blessings of the covenant with them. Oh, friend of mine, I want to be, I want to be a faithful watchman on the wall. Hallelujah. Listen to Ezekiel three seventeen through 19. It says, Son of man, I made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked of his wicked way, to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. Listen, dying in your iniquity, 
doesn't mean you're just dead and it's done. You just have a premature early death. Dying in your sin, dying in your unconfessed sin, dying in your iniquity means you're going to be raised from the dead to face the final judgment and you're going to spend eternity somewhere forever. Listen, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked... And he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way. He shall die in his iniquity. But thou hast delivered thy soul. Oh, dear friend of mine, the Apostle Paul knew this scripture very well when he spoke in the new covenant. And he said, I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, I am pure from the blood of all men. Listen, Jeremiah 50 and verse 6 says, My people have been like lost sheep. They're shepherds. They're shepherds. They're leaders. They're prophets. They're preachers, if you please, have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. Oh, friend of mine, you see, we become just like the wicked. The wicked are like the troubled sea whose waters cast up mire and dirt, and there is no peace, saith God, unto the wicked. But every time Israel came back to God and repented, and God began to restore them, amen, they knew His blessing, and the greatest blessing of all was not just the rebuilding of their cities and, and giving them back their their things that they had lost, but their freedom from slavery and ser- servitude and their peace with God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, friend of mine, if we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need Him now. If we never ever needed to draw nigh to Him, it is now. If we ever needed to hear and heed the Word of God, it is now. I want to be a faithful watchman on the wall. I want to lift up my voice. And I want to lift it up to everyone who will listen. If you're away from God, I pray that you will come back to Him. That you will not consider consider this world your home any longer that you will you will come back to your resting place that you will not sin against him from hill to hill but you will come home to the safe place to his enclosure praise god get back in church get back in the bible get back in the word of god hallelujah most of all get back right with God today. And if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you don't know the Lord as your Savior today, you are lost in this culture. You're lost in a world where someone is telling you all is well. The government's going to figure it out for you. Everything's going to be just fine. You know, one of the final signs of the end of the age, the end of the world as we know it. It's not those preceding signs saying it's near, 
it's a sign saying, it's here. For there shall be wars and rumors of wars and the false prophets and the falling away. All of that. But the end is not yet. But listen to this. But when they say peace and safety. You heard the false watchman saying, let's go have a few drinks. Let's party it up. For tomorrow be like today. These sins have no consequence. Good is evil. Evil is good. Who can say? God has said. Friend of mine, it's time. If you don't know Jesus, come to Christ. Come to the Lord. Come out of the darkness. I'm telling you, God will help set you free today. Run to Jesus. Repent of your sin. Receive Him as your Savior. He will seal you with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. When the trumpet sounds, you'll go to be with Him, whether you're alive or whether you have died. Your soul will be secure in Him. God will pardon your sin. Jesus is coming very soon. The tribulation is going to burst forth and sudden destruction will come upon a gainsaying world following false prophets promising a false peace. Come to Christ.